0: I also just want to bring you up to speed on this as well. There has been a rumor, and there's been some stories this week going about about myself. And I just want to nail it now and say that it's true before we start and go on. (laughs) On Monday night, I always pack my bag before I go to the gym. And I put, obviously, my jeans, my underwear, my T-shirt, my jumper, my coat, my boots, my towel... I have went to the gym a time or two and forgot my towel and that's another story for another day so I had everything in my bag and I went to the gym on Tuesday morning it was Pancake Tuesday, the pancake mix made we were coming to CSM I said I would make pancakes for all the CSM students so I got into the gym about half seven good time, R hour down in here for nine <clears throat> showered after my, my hours workout and I was getting dressed and I was just putting my belt into my jeans and I was just pulling my jeans then up and I was like, there's no pockets in these jeans I was like, I don't think these are my jeans and I lifted my jeans from my wardrobe that I put there and put them into my bag but while I was pulling them up and putting them on I realised they were Lorraine's jeans (laughs) So I was in a complete dilemma, they were very tight and I, uh, I thought of two options, a go shard with my old gym gear on, with a couple of options, gym gear on again or else just go with the towel around me and my belt or I go home but then I'm going to be really late or I just wear Lorraine's jeans, can I just say on Tuesday I wore Lorraine's jeans. <laughs> To CSM, and I think we have a picture here, do we? Now, they do not look bad, do they? Let's be honest about this. So can can work we? Work. What? So work. I uh, no, I didn't. Wear. These are my jeans. <laughs> so I just want to put it out there. I just want to put it out there from. I just want to put it out there from the start that because we're looking at the ninth commandment, um, layer layer. That's what I'm going to call it today. That I, I I couldn't go on without sharing this story. And I never want to hear anything about it again, that's it done, that's it finished. I was even sitting in a finance meeting with Julie and Alan and Greg and everybody was just commenting like your nice blue jumper John, they blend so well with your blue jeans. <laughs> Rachel even said, those jeans are really blue. And I'm like, oh, if you only knew. But yesterday, as I, was in a show, I was in B&M and I heard, heard this wee boy and he just turned around and he was like, liar, liar, your pants are on fire. And many of us know that saying, I'm sure the teachers are, it it took me right back to school and I was like thinking, that was always what somebody kept saying in school. Anytime there was lies, there was always something about it. How many people trust a liar? No hands up. We don't trust anybody that lies, do we? We don't. We don't trust anybody that lies. So the ninth commandment, um, it's found in in Exodus chapter 20, verse 16. And it says, you shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. But there's a lot more to this commandment than just not lying. There really, really is. I I remember going back about 22, 23 years ago. I I was just um, 16, 17, starting out as a young chef in the Everglades. And my, my, my first jobs every Saturday was there was a wedding I had to peel a hundred eggs for egg mayonnaise then you had to put on a few extra because some of them didn't peel right then you had a hundred rounds of sandwiches to make for the evening buffet that night and you had a hundred melon to cut scrape out the seeds and to fan so I was in start of the starters so my second or third weekend, I was up to my elbows in egg shells. And sometimes, you know, sometimes if you just overcook an egg slightly, undercook it, the <coughs> shell can become quite hard to, to peel and do that. And that's okay. But whenever you're peeling about 80 in there and you go, have another maybe 40 to go here, it can become quite mad. So I just got sick of it one day and I just put them in the bin. I had enough for my starters. That was fine. But I didn't have enough for my sandwiches. And the head chef came and goes, right John, starters are done where's the eggs for the sandwiches? I'm like, don't know. No idea. <laughs> don't know. He goes, did you not put enough on? Yeah, I did. I did. And don't, isn't it true in saying that one lie leads to another and be sure your sons will find you out? He already knew I put them in the bin. <laughs> he took me over to the bin and he goes, John, here's the eggs. He said, never lie to me again. Never lie to me again because it doesn't matter how good you become. I'm not looking for performance. I'm looking for trust. And three weeks later, I was cooking, everybody know what foie gras is? Yeah, so it's quite expensive. It's a a goose's, it's a duck's liver. I'm not gonna get into details of it, but they force feed the the goose or the duck until it really explodes with corn and then you get foie gras, you get the lovely yellow lobe of the liver. It's quite a delicacy. It's it's a lovely, for those of you that haven't had it, but it's very expensive and it takes seconds to cook. And my head chef told me to put that in the steamer for just a few minutes. And uh, I put it in for 10. (laughs) And I went to him and said, Chef, uh, should I take that out now? He goes, you tell me that you did not put the foie gras in the steamer for 10 minutes. And I was like, you told me. He goes, no, I told you to put it in for two minutes. And I'm like, no, you told me 10. He goes, don't lie to me, John. Don't lie to me. And that was twice in the space of a few weeks that I learned a very valuable lesson in my career because all he was looking for was trust he was looking for trust that's what people look for we can be the best at what we do we can be so high performing we can be high flying but you see if we don't have trust we're nothing we are nothing people are looking for people that they can trust that's what it's about so what is this false testimony what does it mean you know, there's more to this commandment than just stop and tell lies. God's just not saying to us, hey, stop telling lies and always tell the truth. There's more behind that. You know, it's a lifestyle. It's really all about integrity and it's all about truth and it's all about trust. That's what it's about. True integrity is when our lives and our words and our hearts are all in alignment and it's all in agreement. And there's no difference between our public life And our private life. The two have to come together. Integrity is doing the right thing. Even when nobody is watching. When nobody sees us. It's a life long struggle. This can be so so hard. It really is. But there's a challenge here for us. We have to look at Jesus. We have to look at him as our example. Because he lived a true life. Full of integrity. 100% And we have to inspire to be more like Jesus. And we have to journey towards more like him and what he says and what he does. Exodus 23, verses 1 and 2. A few chapters on, the children of Israel are again, they're complaining, God's speaking to them. God's pouring out to them. He says, do not spread false reports. Do not help a guilty person by being malice witness. And do not follow the crowd in wrongdoing. When you give testimony in a lawsuit, do not pervert justice by siding with the crowd. There's a lot of big words in this and a lot of stuff that we can take from it. But what what does this really mean to us today, right here, right now? For me, it means we need to stop gossiping. We need to stop gossiping about people. We need to stop giving um, false reports. We can't get caught up in it. And can I just say, that this church is a church that, we, we don't want gossip. And you have full permission that if people are gossiping in this church, you have full permission to go to them and say, you know what, that's not welcome here. It's not welcome here. This is a house of honor. This is a family that holds honor very highly. And, and, and gossip is not welcome in this house. So you have permission to tell people to stop. Because if people are gossiping and telling you something about another person, you can be pretty sure that they're going to go and tell somebody something about you, if that's fair to say. So as we look in at this a wee bit more, we have to, we just can't, we can't blend in with the world. We can't blend in with the status quo. We can't blend in with, with all the things that are around us. God is asking us to blend out. God is asking us to stand out. He's asking us to be salt and light. And it says here, too, about getting sucked in from groups of friends in those verses. Let's not get stuck. Let's not get sucked in by groups of friends, by maybe our colleagues. You know, people, people that we become so comfortable around, we can just become and blend into their environment, to their ways of speaking, to their ways at work. It's so, so hard. Whenever you're, you know, maybe in sport or you're, you're in your workplace that the chat is saying this, that, and the other, I want to encourage us today that it's, it's our responsibility to step out in that and to take a stand and to call out and to say, you know what, actually, no, look, that, that's not right. That's not right about that person. No, actually, look, that, that's not the way that should be. And this takes, this takes guts. This takes a lot of, of hard things. Let's not be swayed by the crowd. This can pour into peer pressure. And sometimes we maybe think about peer pressure, that it's something that comes with only children. But I think sometimes us as adults as well, it can be so hard. We buckle. We give in to it. We know we should be standing up for our friends. We know we should be saying stuff. But there's just peer pressure and, and we can't do it. We have to be different. We have to call out what God has put into people's lives. We have to look for the truth. We have to look for the gold that God has put into people's lives and put into people's hearts. Martin Luther King said this. He said, the means that we use must be as pure as the ends that we seek. The means that we use must be as pure as the ends that we seek. So it's basically saying is where we want to get to at the end of it, the beginning of it should be as pure. We can't add manipulation we can't turn around and manipulate people. It has to be pure. There are times in our lives, we've all met people that they have a goal, they have an agenda, they have something that they want from you and they want to get that from you and we may not see it, we may not know, but there's always pointing towards, they're always slanting in on an agenda to get you to do something for where they want you to be and they know whenever they're coming to meet you what they want and we have to be wise to this. We can't be manipulated. And maybe there's some of us today, that that's, that's the way that we do, that's the way we work. We try and get people to do what we want and we don't even realize that we're doing it. We can't, we can't manipulate people. We can't do that. We have to be wise. Jesus is our example and there's just been a flow through here this morning like from Adam to Chris um, to, to Julie, you know, about fixing our eyes on Jesus, about his lifestyle. And that's what comes out of these commandments was really Jesus' lifestyle when we look at them and we break them all down. Rick Warren says, you can't control the lies that people may speak about you, but you can control the truth. So we need to live The people have to make stuff up about us and to accuse us of it. We need to live a life that is true. That's what Rick Warren says. Jesus, and Julie touched on this as well, in Matthew uh, chapter 4 Jesus was in the wilderness And he was there for 40 days of fasting and praying And the devil came to him in three different times And accused him And put, put accusations towards him Tried to manipulate him And he, he came and he said to him You know, when you're hungry why, why don't you come and tell that stone to turn into bread And then he says to him Look, here's the holy city Look, at, go to the highest point of the temple And why don't you throw yourself off it Sure, you can command the angels to come down; um, they, you know, and not hurt you. And then the third one was, he took him to the mountain and he showed him the kingdoms and the world. And he says, "This can be yours, but come and, you know, just let be. Let me be king." But Jesus was at this vulnerable point, but he didn't give in. And all these things that the devil was trying to do was, he was sowing him lies. He was sowing Jesus lies. And in John eight. Jesus actually goes on to call the devil, he's the father of lies, he's a liar. And I really feel for some of us here this morning, and it's maybe just pushing in a wee bit more on what what Julie was saying was that we actually have let the lies, the father of lies, speak lies over our lives. And they've taken root and they've sunk in and they've just come on, there's been more and there's been more and there has been more. Until we feel isolated Until we feel alone Until we feel hurt Until we just feel that I I just don't want any more of this We even start questioning in our heads Am am I a problem? Is it something to do with me? And I want to say this morning No it's not I want to say this morning That because the devil is the father of lies He will manipulate you He will get you to that point of saying You're not good enough You're not holy enough who are you to be doing this? Who are you to be doing that? And that's that's what the father of lies wants to do. He wants to spread this over us so that we get caught up. And before we know it, we isolate ourselves, we doubt ourselves, and we look at other people and go, they have it sorted. I don't. Are they holier than me? I don't want to be part of church. I don't want to share my faith. I don't want to talk to God. I don't want to read my Bible. And this is where the devil wants us to be isolated because he's manipulated us with lies. And I love the way in John 8 that Jesus turned around and called him the father of lies. And there are other people in this room this morning that are struggling with that. Those lies that have been spoken over your, your, your life, they've taken root. And I really want to tell you this morning that Jesus doesn't see you that way, he sees you as a son, as a daughter. He sees you as somebody with so much potential. He sees you as somebody that, that he wants to take and put on holy ground. That he is an assignment, that he has a job, that he trusts you, that he loves you. We need to be serious about this because words, they do, they can shape our world. Especially whenever we're not listening to the right voices in our heads. And we know in Peter that it says the devil's like a roaring lion ready to devour you. That father of lies is out to get us all. He's out to get us all. And, and we need to, we need to live, live a life that's pure. We need to live a life that's pure. We need to be honest with ourselves and we need to be honest with others. When we're feeling like this, all we want to do is isolate ourselves, but actually we're being called into a community. We need to get people around that we can trust We need to get friends around us that will call out the good in our life, what God has put in. We need to get people that will speak truth over us, people that will not lie to us, people that will actually say to you, you know what? I thank God that I have friends in my life that actually so many times have said, John, you you know what, sorry, out of love, you're wrong there. You're, You're not right. We need people that will call out even in the most difficult situation, people that will speak in. That will be true. We'll never want to hear it. We will never want to hear it. But we need to have these people around us. And this is why small groups are so important too. This is why community, real authentic community is so important. Where we're sharing with each other. Where iron sharpens iron. Where people are getting together to offload, to share, to pull up, to encourage each other. We need to be honest. We need to do this in love and in truth. In the name of Jesus. To call out. That's what this commandment is pushing into. You know life. Life can just be. It can be so so hard. And, and we need to stop. And just pause. And think about who is the people. That, that we have around us. That's going to call out. And what God um, is going to put in. This commandment really leads us. To an act of purity. To an act of. Consecrating ourselves before God and actually just coming before him and just saying, sorry, coming before him and just saying, you know what God, I need to come before you the way you are. I just want to read Psalm 24, 1 to 10. just going to pull out a couple of things. We're going to finish up. We're going to have communion together. But God, there's, going to, there's an act here for us all this morning. There's an act to come before God And just to see what the Father wants to do. So Psalm 24, verses 1 to 10. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by false by a false god In some versions it says actually that doesn't tell lies They will receive a blessing from the Lord And a vindication from God their saviour Such as the generations For those who seek him Who seek your face God of Jacob Lift up your heads you gates Be lifted up you ancient doors That the king of glory may come in Who is this king of glory The strong and mighty The, mighty, the Lord almighty in battle Lift up your heads you gates Lift them up you ancient doors That the king of glory may come in Who is this king of glory The Lord almighty He is the king of glory This psalm I, I, I love this psalm And I love the fact there in verse 3 And verse 4 it says Who, who may ascend the hill of the Lord Only the person with his clean hands And a pure heart For some of us today We know what our heart looks like we know what our hearts fall off. We know what our hands look like. We know what we struggle with. We know how we have messed up. But God is asking us for a people that has clean hands and a pure heart. Cornerstone, I, I want to say to you today that the King of Glory is actually waiting to come in. I had a picture this week. Um, I don't know if anybody has um, ever been in this situation. I never have. You know, whenever... Sometimes in the news you hear about an airplane and it's just hovering above the airport um, because it's either the weather's bad or it's, it's really, there's maybe a problem down in, on the landing strip or, or something along those lines and, and that airplane just has to keep circling and circling and circling and I really feel God give me this week a picture that his presence, that his glory is just hovering above our city. His presence is just stirring, it's just stirring, it's just stirring. And it's just hovering above its city. But he's actually waiting for his people. He's waiting for us, his children, to have clean hands and a pure heart. He's waiting for clean hands and a pure heart this morning. I know this is really heavy and I'm sorry, but this is what God has put on me this morning. And I I have to say this. So the presence of God is in our city. We need to draw a line this morning and we're going to do that shortly. And we're going to just confess before God because concentration, creation and holiness and purity, it's all about coming before the Father and saying, you know what? I've got this wrong. I am so sorry. I was coming home from Ballymena yesterday and I had to pray. I just was like, God, you know what? That thought, that's, that's wrong. I'm sorry. This is what it's going to take, church. Because the call... Of what God is going to do in Derry. It's getting stronger. It's just stirring. It's just hovering. And it's just about. But then on this call. We look at verse 7 and verse 8. Um, it says. Um, just about gates. And about doors. Please correct me. I've counted six, six, six gates in our city. Is that fair enough? More or less. Well I think there's five or six. John. If you're a historian Trevor. Six gates. Am I right? Six gates. There's a... Many, many deck? Seven? Ooh. Well, there we are. Well, look, that's your homework for next week. Come and see me. Six or seven gates. I have five, then i got six. So there's a wee sneaky one deck must know about. So six or five, six or seven, okay. So we'll just go with six middle ground. There's an awful lot of gates in our city. There's an awful lot of gates in our city. And the thing that about gates is that they're not actually all there. But the things about gates is they represent cities. And within cities, they represent communities. And it says there in verse 7, Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors. And the thing about doors is, doors are for houses. And in houses, there are families. And I just did this picture this week that we are a city that there are so many gates in. So many gates in our city. That this God is waiting to come in. And he's waiting to come in. And he wants to take over. And even about the doors. I love the fact then that he goes on to say. About doors. About houses. About families. We are a church that is all about family. You matter to us. But I want to encourage you this morning. As families. That we all have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility. I also got a picture this week. This week. And uh, I've never ran on a relay team And if anybody knows what this is This is the baton This is a baton That is passed on to that, ne- that next person And the Bible talks an awful lot About running the race Paul talks a lot about it In the New Testament But he's really saying I've got the baton I really This week God really laid on me He's saying What are you going to do with this baton Paul what are you going to do with this baton Gordon what are you going to do with this baton John, what are you going to do with this baton? Mark, what are you going to do with this baton? Dave, what are you going to do with this baton? Andrew, what are you going to do with it? Bob, I could go around this room. But what a point is that I'm trying to make, God is saying, I've given you the baton, but are you going to take it? are you going to pass it on? Are you going to pass it on to your family? Because there in that verse, it talks about doors, equal houses, equal families. We all have a responsibility. I have a responsibility of what I do with my children with my house, and we need to pass this on. It's not a matter of just dropping it or throwing it away. We're in this relay race, and God is saying to us today, it's us as families. Families can be messy. Families can be hard. Families can be the best thing in the world. But God is turning, and God is saying to us today that families matter. And I want to encourage us as a church, let's take this baton. And let's pass it on. We need to move. We need to be a people of God's presence and peace. So gates and doors will open up so that the King of Glory will come in, reside, and take up residence in our city. Adam's gonna come up here and we're just gonna we're gonna finish up here. So I just want to encourage us this morning, as we come before this, it finishes here in the end of end of this chapter. The King of Glory wants to come in. I really feel this morning that the King of Glory wants to come in and meet with us. He wants to come in and he wants to invade our city. He wants to invade our families and he wants to invade our church and he wants to take over. But he's hovering. But he's waiting on us. It's back on us. It's, it's us that have to get ourselves right. We have to get ourselves right because he's ready and he's waiting. He's waiting. So all I can say is that I'm going to take communion in a minute and I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask God to forgive me. I really feel this morning that God is saying to us as a house, we need to repent. We need to repent. We need to say sorry. There's things in our lives that we need to rid out. There's things in our lives that we need to shape and reshape our our, our lifestyle. There's things that we need to let go of. There's things that we need to to kick to the side because this King of Glory wants to come in folks i have never so sure of this I've never felt anything like this this week that the King of Glory is stirring that the Holy Spirit is in our city and we're going to see a move of God we're going to see a move of God Trevor I really feel this morning God wants to say to you that he just he's proud of you that he loves you but he wants to take you into more the, the word battles just kept coming to my head when we were in worship I'm not saying you're in a battle or, or whatever anything like that but even as Adam this morning was singing that song I raise a hallelujah and, and the, first, the first song that we sung I love the fact that the sword that Goliath pointed at David was the sword that actually David took off Goliath's head with and no matter what battles or whatever that may be that, that you're facing or that you're looking at God's with you same as David, because David had to go through those battles. That was one of the first things that David kind of faced in his life was the giant Goliath. But through these battles comes a step and comes where God wants to take you to. Um, so I just felt that God says that to you this morning about battles—that He's calling you into more, He's calling you into a greater relationship with Him and a greater awareness, a greater, a greater way that He wants to speak to you, a greater level of that. So, Church, can we can we just stand? We're just going to Concentrate ourselves And I looked up this word And what, what, what did it mean? It says to be holy To be dedicated to something Of great importance Set yourself aside To commit to To devote to To give yourself to We in our life here today We can give ourselves We can dedicate ourselves and To devote ourselves to so much The world's craving at us It's looking at us But I want to say to you today We need to come pure before God we need to become holy before God we need to commit ourselves to him we need to be devoted to him we need to set ourselves apart and he's just not looking a wee section of our life he's looking every area of our life every room of our life so when we just pray Adam's going to lead us in a song and we're going to take communion and I want to encourage you whenever you're praying whatever that looks like for you See if you need to get on your knees. You get on your knees this morning. See if you need to go to the back and worship. You go and do that. But there's only one way that we can overcome this, is by taking the meal of communion, by coming around the table as a family, by sharing in the communion, by sharing in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Because you're worthy of it all. That's the way the Father looks at us this morning. He says, You're worthy. But in this, we're drawing a line. We're saying, you know what, today, God, I'm not living the way I lived before. I want to be holy. I want to be pleasing. You're mine and I am yours. So Father, I just ask right now as we come, as we share, as we worship, as we pray, as we eat the amazing meal of communion, would you just come? Holy Spirit, would you just come right now? Will you just speak the hearts, God? This is not a talk of condemnation. This is not a talk of judging people. This is a talk of of just drawing the line of saying we're sorry. And this is that we want to move on to be holy people. So that the king of glory may come in. So Holy Spirit, we just ask you to come right now. Will you just come and reign in this place? Will you just come and just minister to hearts right now? We worship you, Jesus, your holy God. Amen.